Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. How can high-end technology create high connections with people, get rid of that toxicity in gamings, and, and help humanity go to a better place? In this podcast, I have Nico Peroni, head of OTO Engineering Operate Solutions Unity. Nico is the founder of OTO AI, a company recently acquired by Unity to enable safe interactions in online games. Nico is a behavioral scientist and artificial intelligence researcher with a techno-utopian bend. One of his driving passions is to enable safe and sustainable futures for humanity. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Nico. Hey. Hi, Dylan. Hi, hey. Dylan. I'm good, brother. How are you doing today? Really good. Nice to be here. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you, man. I, I love it when, when high tech meets like high consciousness and bringing those things together. Um, and so when I came across you and the things that you're doing, I was excited to get you on. I'm excited to be here. Let's get started. Let's do it, brother. So uh, first, let's get started with this. Like how, talk to me through, first of all, how did you come up with this, this OTO uh, AI? What, what was this about? Can you lead me to the journey of, of creating that company? Sure. Um, Otto is, is, is pronounced Otto. Okay. Um, and so Otto is a, is a spin-off of the speech lab of SRI International. Uh, the people who made Siri, for example, and we created Otto about five years ago now um, with, based on the idea that machines could get better at understanding emotions, nonverbal cues, you, you call them. Um, so basically anything that is not the words that I say, which machines have become quite good at understanding, but really the, the intonation, right? Uh, laughter, for example, in, in, a, in a conversation. So we, we built... Um, machine learning AI models to understand, uh, to decipher intonation in real time from the human voice. And we built a number of, of use cases for these. Um, and eventually we realized that something they are really suitable for is to detect toxicity in the world of gaming, which happens to be a really big problem. And uh, one thing led to another. And last summer, Unity acquired Otto. Uh, and that's why, uh, that's why I do what I do now. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's such a good use case, too, because there's so much toxicity in gamings uh, that it really does affect um, people because people want to have a good time. But it, it, yeah. it's kind of chaos in there. It's it's a wild, wild west with people inside gaming, uh, the gaming space playing and, and doing these types of things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it being a really good uh, use case. So you're looking to integrate it as a service provided by Unity, or what does it look like? Yeah, yeah. So um, in a way, Unity Unity does a lot more than just uh, the game engine, right? So Unity mm -hmm. is, a, is a 3D engine, of course. But currently, most of its business and most of its revenue actually comes from uh, solutions around the game. So that's, that's the division that I'm part of. It's called o Operate Solutions. Um, and it's things like monetization, play engagement, multiplayer games, etc. And they have a voice service, which is called Vivox, which powers some, some of the largest games out there. Um, thing is, it's, it's become more difficult now for game developers to enable voice in games simply because people are toxic. Um, and so sometimes it's enough to just enable voice in game uh, for people to lash out uh, at, it, at each other, really. And, um, and so we, there's no good solution 
to make sure that people are nice and kind to each other. And so that's why we're bringing the, the toxicity moderation aspect, which is brought by AI. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the issues is that there is almost zero accountability inside of the, the multiplayer online space. And so people can cause havoc. That's why people are really trying to figure out a solution for that. And there's a moderation systems where you can, you know, mute people or you can ban people, you yeah. can get rid of people. Uh, Facebook tried the heavy handed approach um, inside horizons where they just have, they've hired someone full time and they just put them inside the environment. And they're basically, you know, fleets of people that are in there doing this, this manual approach of what you're talking yeah. about. Um, what, what attempts and have you seen? Yeah. It, it's exactly the thing. So um, last I checked, Facebook Meta now uh, employed 35,000 full-time content moderators to actually go through uh, the human filth, essentially, that stuff that people post online and that, that they shouldn't. Um, and human moderation is a terrible job, let's face it, but it's also very hard to scale. In theory, you'd need, you need someone in every chat room, right? And it's just impossible. So what we do is that we allow uh, AI, artificial intelligence, to augment human intelligence by allowing human moderators to... Um, abstract away from the heavy lifting in a way. So uh, let's say that they have to review a thousand or 10,000 conversations. The AI models are going to uh, rank, to score mm -hmm. all of these conversations, rank them, and then present to the moderators the salient aspects of the conversations that are probably worth reviewing to determine whether a conversation is problematic or not. So this is really what we do. That's awesome. I mean, so what we're talking about is this human in the loop AI system. Yeah. Where, where, the, where the, the AI basically looks for patterns of behavior and then brings it up to some sort of mods or some sort of person where they can review it. And probably my guess is that you're capturing not only the the um, the the tone and that that, but you're also capturing some some sort of audio that you could bring to say, is this really is this really toxicity or is this frustration? Right. Because that's yeah. the thing is it's how do you, you know, how do you how do you balance out and how do you how do you how do you serve that up to people so that they can tell the difference? Yeah. So to be clear, I don't believe and we can talk about AI and it's and it's a use for mankind later, etc. But I don't believe in an AI uh, being able to determine, at least not right now, um, if something is harmful or not. Um, AI is having a hard enough job at not creating harmful content. So it's, it's, it, we're not at the level where it's easy to say for a machine learning model, that's good and that's bad. There's nothing that is inherently good. I could say the F word now on the podcast. I'm not going to do this, uh, but I could say it. And it wouldn't have to be bad, right? Uh, I could mean this in a harmless, uh, joking way, or it could be really offensive. It has to do with the way I say it. It has to do with the way you receive it. And it has to do with the context of, of the conversation. And beyond this, it has to do with the context of the interaction within our relationship, right? Maybe, maybe we're friends and we're just joking. Maybe we're not actually friends. It's, it's the first time we interact. Maybe it's not the first time I insult you. And all of these are going to be cues for the, the system, the, the AI models, to determine how how much of a potential harm there is in, in this case, the instance of me saying the F word. And mm -hmm. so this is what we, what we score and we bring it to a human to say, hey, how, how bad is that? Would you say that this is a harmful interaction? But it's going to, the fact that there's this 
uh, AI in the loop in the end, so technology that helps sift through vast amounts of data is going to reduce the, the work of the human moderator by a factor of 100x maybe. Um, don't, don't hold me accountable to the, to the numbers because it really depends on the context of the solution that you're deploying, etc. cetera. Um, mm. But it's going to, to vastly reduce the amount of work needed by humans to ensure that people are nice to each other in online environments. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's 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 the whole point of technology is for it to be used as a tool. You generally you generally want to allow humans to make that final decision. It's really interesting. Like with AI driving cars, um, even though uh, you know they they can be more safe, we want to ultimately give that decision to the human to be able to to take over it where they need to. Yes, so they can, so you can make that judgment call because we're not at that you know perfect judgment system. Um, what have you seen in terms of? Because I know that you're also a behavioral scientist. Um, and what have you seen in terms of creating uh, positive cultures in gaming online? Have you seen any patterns, any behaviors, any systems, any ways to try to at least steer a culture in the right direction? Yeah. So <clears throat> um, I've, I've been working on cooperation uh, for a long time. I've been working on interactions and, and groups, and this is really what, what fascinates me. And voice happens to be the most natural form of interaction, communication in humans. So I've I've been working on voice for the past five years, but before this it was graphs and social networks. And I'm really interested in understanding how to design systems that favor the emergence of pro-social behaviors. So that make it possible for people to be good to each other and for cooperation to evolve. And so they, one of the main or the first learnings when you study cooperation in groups is that um, cooperation is hard. Um, it usually doesn't work and it usually doesn't work and, and it's difficult to sustain over a long period. And what you need to do is you need to, you need to tweak the ratio between the cost of a of a harmful act um, and its reward, and mostly you need to make sure that you reward good behavior. So all this is to say that in a in a case of gaming gaming and, and toxicity, what we are doing now is helping humans understand what is toxic, to call it out, take action, and that can be a warning, it can be a ban. I don't think that's a, that's a permanent action, but it, it, it can happen. The developer chooses what to do with, a, with, a, with a, an instance of toxicity or a player. But what we really want to do is we want to use technology in the same way to highlight good behavior and to reward it and say, you are a pro-social, you are an altruistic player in your community, and therefore you're going to get a badge, for example, because you've been nice. You've been nice to everyone. You've been a you've been a good player, and you tend to help others. And this is really how I think we can go from uh, calling out the bad in us to rewarding the good in us, and and creating systems that are uh, where cooperation and altruism is stable. That's fantastic. I mean, and part of the, if you're changing any type of habit or behavior, any of those types of things, the first step is awareness. You have to be aware that something's happening, right? And then you can, then you can take action to shift it. If you're unconscious that the difficulty is, is being able to be aware first and then, and then knowing 
what action you need to take to get to where you want to go, right? Because some people, they're toxic. They don't even know they're toxic. Uh, as we know, it gets passed along. You know, some parent mm -hmm. gets mad at a kid. The kid takes it out on some gamer online, right? So I think it's passed along and it just seems as normal behavior because that's what, you know, it's one way to alleviate the pain. Uh, so I love the fact of making awareness in the system. What I'm curious about is do you have, because you, you have ways to understand looking at the sentiment of people getting upset and the toxicity. Do you have ways to look for positive sentiment as well? Because you're talking about being able to identify yeah. negativity. What about the positive side? Yeah. Well, the the technology is the same, in fact. Uh, in the same way we can identify screaming or anger, we can also identify happiness and, and laughter. And so it's really about, I make it simpler, sounds simpler than it is, but it's re really about sort of reversing the sign of the the formula that we're we're building, uh, mm -hmm. so that we, we identify what is a what is a good interaction. And to come back to what you said, um, you're right. There's this vicious effect. And I was reading a the results of a of a survey today, uh, showing that uh, something like thirty six percent of players uh, report actually harmful interactions, toxic interactions online. And often they complain about not being heard, action not being taken, because we don't have the systems to, to take action. And in fact, this leads to 11% of them becoming toxic themselves. So people who are victims of toxicity become toxic themselves. And this is a vicious circle that we can break and get out of. Yeah, and that's 100% right, because all of a sudden we... You know, there's rules that people write on the walls, right? And say, okay, let's not do this. But we we understand that there's subtext because there's the rules that are written on the walls, and then there's the real rules that we follow, which are the social rules. You can look at this at any college where they have a sign on the on the thing that says "Do not walk on the grass," and then you can see a through line on the grass where everyone walks, and there's a <laughs> sign. But then you see this this beat of dead grass, and you're like, okay, well, the other thousand people before me went that way, so I'm gonna go that way. It's the same thing because we're, we're looking to social cues. Social cues are more important than the rules written on the walls, which I think is incredible. So uh, I, I, I completely resonate with that and understand what you're talking about with that. So then I guess like what we're looking for is like, how do you how do you create that culture where you're shifting it? And what you're talking about is by at least acknowledging that they had a complaint and, and then commenting that this that neither, these are the steps that are happening. Is it some sort of progressive system that they can see? Or in what way do you think you can help that 36% that doesn't trickle down the 11% that actually become toxic? Okay, so um, <clears throat> it's, it's a stepwise thing, right? What we're building now and, mm -hmm. and deploying this year uh, is a system that will help these 36% be heard, basically. It's a system that will help the developers and, and Unity customers to actually take action based on player reports. But we're also building detection capabilities into that system so that, the, in a way, the 64% of the players who have not reported uh, an interaction can still be heard because AI can go through in a privacy-aware fashion, can go through all of these data and say, hey, actually, we think there's an issue here. And so, um, and on top of this, we're we're building indicators of, say, game health, for example, or community health, that are that are that will indicate how. Uh, what is the fraction of positive interactions within a community so that developers can try uh, with systems like badges, for example, or rewards for, for pro-social behavior, can, can experiment as to what makes most sense for community health to improve over time and, and for people to become better and, and eventually or ultimately for players to enjoy the, their games more. 
That's awesome. And you're right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's progressively anything that's going to save time for people to be able to get there and be able to make those issues visible, right? Things that get measured, get managed. So if you could see the health of the community, right? And it was a, and if you like, I mean, if you look at like YouTube comments, it's one of the, the most yeah. painful things to, to take a look at it. So there's, there's no, there's no health, but there was like a health checker where you could see, and then people could actively realize, oh, I'm, I'm contributing one way or the other um, in the system. That would be, that, I could see that being incredibly useful. Um, I heard, I heard an interesting statement. Um, I had somebody on the podcast and she was a, um, principal uh for compton in la and uh she made a comment that i I really uh what it makes me think about what we're talking about right here is this is that gamers are the new gangs if you think about it gangs before were in person running the streets but if you think about gamers online right now what what is a gang uh unsupervised kids running around causing mayhem and destruction and if you think about it, a lot of kids are unchecked running around causing toxicity just because there's no accountability. There's no situations. They, they form up online and they and they'll, they'll run through places and just causing mayhem because it's it's entertaining to them, right? And mm-hmm. it's, a way, it's a way for them to spend the time. Um, so I mean, how do we, you know, how do we take that that system of the ganging culture and then and kind of shift it into a positive light? Yeah. So I understand the statement: um, gamers are gangs. Is that what you say? Mm-hmm. Um, and but I would say simply. Um, People are people, and uh, a lot more people spend time online in in games than they they did before. Uh, Something like uh, three billion, almost three billion people played online games in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just so happens that many of our interactions are now online, and we don't have. I'm not. I'm I'm not going to say that accountability is uh, perfect in the real physical world, but we have systems in place to make sure that there are consequences to bad actions. Um, In online games, in in online systems, I'm just going to say in digital uh, virtual worlds, including games, it's not quite like that. We are starting to have the tools to to make people accountable for their actions and their interactions. It's just not really the case yet. And so because people are people, and they they tend to run amok. I mean, it's it's normal, and you will have people creating chaos and, and mayhem. Um, and I don't think I mean people are to blame in a way, uh, but it's it's up to us as we. And I'm speaking that's that's my personal opinion, right? It's not it's not unities. Um, but I I believe that we're creating something that something we we've called the the metaverse, right? So sort of the the future of the internet, the future of how we interact in, in digital environments. Um, and, and so we have a chance at making that future um, good. Mm-hmm. We have a chance at make sure, making ensuring that it brings net positive value for humanity. And in order to do this, we, we need to build in uh, safeguards for our interactions. We need to make the... Um, we need to make the, the new online society better and safer than the old physical society. And I think that's possible. And then gamers won't be gangs, but gamers will be the new angels. Because I, I do believe very firmly that we can make the future society, which will have a major online component, better in many ways than the current society. 
A hundred percent. And if you look at the way that it originally got kicked off with esports competitions and battles, it just kind of it carries on, right? So, for example, um, Doom was the original multiplayer, right? Doom was the original mm -hmm. multiplayer, and so the uh, when that came out, it was a lot of like male aggression, you know, I in to shit talking, getting into it, you know, yelling, take me on, challenge me. And that was a curated culture that they created. And, you know, it was all about, you know, uh, domination, fun, achievement kind of thing. And, and, and that, that was the original thing I got kicked off. And then that, that kind of proliferated and grew and grew and grew. And that was the norm over time. And I think our ability, especially with the metaverse um, and virtual reality, is that we can change our environments. We can create the places that we want. And we can literally build infrastructures that can create positivity, that yes. can create and create personal transformation because we are, um, you know, we live in three realities. We live in our, our, our physical reality or the virtual reality that we are currently in, right? So we live in, the re in this world, right? Uh, we live in our own internal mental model reality, which is what you have, the stories you tell yourselves, what's going on in your head and all that stuff. And then we live in the social reality, right? The reality that me and you are currently co-creating together inside of this environment right? That we're having this shared connection and back and forth communication, right? What's beautiful about the metaverse and then using this technology is you're taking a lot of these, these mental model environments, right? And you're bringing it out into physically being able to see, right? You're taking the social reality and you're making it being visible with these UI displays. You're taking these internal mental models where I, I freak out and I rage quit and I scream at you because you killed mm -hmm. me and I'm so mad at you, right? And you go, hey, by the way, just to let you know, this is the way you're acting. So what I love about that is you're taking these these things that are usually unconscious and you're bringing it to the forefront. I mean, have you, have you thought about what, how these things all play a part, a part of the metaverse and you know, what you would like to see out of that? Um, wow. That's a um, very broad question. So it's what you say is interesting because mm -hmm. um, so I, I did a, a PhD and on complex systems, complex social systems, basically trying to understand how much of, our reality, our lives, is actually the product of our interactions. Uh, so how much of our physical and, and mental reality is really just our social reality? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not the, the only one who's worked in this. Tons of people have done this or done work in that direction. But um, the consensus is that... So I would challenge the fact that, this, that, that there are three realities. You said um, physical mental and social i yeah. would say that uh it's very difficult to say what is physical reality because all i know is that I, is what i experience so in a way my mental reality is uh is is just reality and if i'm angry i the world around me can become anger because i can't dissociate what is real what is real anyway and uh and what i what i perceive right um but in a way what I perceive uh, is also the product of um, or how I live because we are gregarious animals. We're, we're, we're inherently social. Um, mm. So what I perceive, how I live my life um, is the product of how I interact with others. So I, I think we have to view, and that's, that's the, the I, I did lots of work mm. on this, um, that, that was sort of the main thesis. Uh, we have to view our reality as, uh, it's basically social fabric, a social construct, because it's just how we are hardwired, because we are inherently social animals. Sorry, what was the question again? 
No, the question, like, well, I wanted, I wanted to paint these three different realities that are unconscious to us and put in the forefront because you're talking about making a better metaverse. And I was curious about the AI technologies and how you see these, how you see the metaverse being applied to, to using these realities to create a better metaverse. That's what I was curious about. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I think technology can be used in order to improve uh, our lives and interactions. And so I'm going to go very broad here. Yeah. I, I think that as a civilization, we have a number of very large problems to deal with. Mm. And, uh, and I'll put climate change at the top of the list, right? And we're not really equipped to uh, deal with them because we reason over bounded spatial, socio-temporal horizons, right? That's something we're, we're hardwired to, to do. We, we discount what happens in the future. We discount what happens far from us. And we discount what happens to people we don't know. Um, and so that's, it's, it's just the way we've, we've evolved. Um, and uh, we are constrained by our brain, in fact. And, uh, and you've probably heard about things like the, the Dunbar number, the idea that we can't maintain more than 150 close connections to other uh, or personalized close conne social connections to other hum human beings, etc. And so it's just, it's, just, it's just who we are and what we are. And we're not going to change uh, the structure of our brains within uh, the scale of a few lifetimes, or even one lifetime. But we have technology. And technology can uh, and should, in my opinion, help us to connect better, to behave better. And we can use it as an amplifier of good behavior. Um, so in the same way that technology can be used for evil purposes, and we've seen a lot of this, and I'm not going to comment on this. Um, I think that we can use it. And so that's why I, I link it to the idea that we can use uh, AI that is good. AI is not inherently good or bad, right? It's just going to say uh, X or Y or plus one minus one. Yeah. Uh, but we can use it to, say, create badges of honor for good citizens of the metaverse so that uh, people are encouraged to actually behave pro-socially um, and and be kind towards each other. So in this way, sorry, it's a very convoluted answer to your question, um, but in this way, I believe that technology can help us become better human beings because we can't help ourselves because we are limited in terms of what we can do. Yeah, yeah. Technology is just a magnification of people's intent. Yes. You can yes, take exactly. You can take a knife and you can cut a butter. You can take a knife and you can cut someone, right? That kind of thing. And so I, I agree with that. And and you're right. And it's all about the intentions of the creator, right? And, and I, I don't believe that my personal belief with, I don't think there's going to be one metaverse. I don't think there's going to be a Facebookian metaverse. I think, I think we're going to break off into fractals. And there is going to be thousands and thousands of these little metaversians everywhere where everyone's going to have their little ecosystems that people can go into and participate yeah. in their own environments. Right. And that's I, I don't think there's going to be one Facebook or one thing. I think there's going to be tons of these little ones. And so the question is, if using these technologies like AI and what you created, like, you know, how do we create these types of environments right from the ground up? What would you what would you recommend for people? Let's just say somebody wants like, I want to create a metaverse. That's awesome. And I want to use I want to use you to do it right and how how would you think they how would you recommend they go about um starting off an idea if they wanted to create these types of positive environments wow 
Um, so I agree with you when you say there's going to be tons of different metaverses, and in fact, uh, it's just a semantic thing. We can we can call it uh, the metaverse or the set of metaverses the same way. Um, I'm in my house now. I can go out and I'm in the same universe, but it's a different place. So in a way, I think whatever we call the digital society of the future, it will have different places. And these these places will be, I hope they will be creator-owned. They will be owned by the people who make them. Uh, to a large extent, those people will be able to influence the rules of these places, uh, of these places, so what happens in them, um, and they will also benefit the creators in return. Um, so th there will be some amount of centralization of the assets or asset creation in a way. Think of Unity as a platform, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Unity doesn't own the games that developers make using the Unity engine. However, the, the, the incredible potential of Unity as a company here is to become the platform that powers the metaverse, the, the, the platform that, that people use in order to create these places and spaces and, and positive experiences, including positive social experiences that will form the, the, the metaverse. So that's why so there's no distinction for me between the metaverse or the metaverses or, or sort of the, the different uh, places. And so what I would say to someone who wants to create a good metaverse, a good uh, digital place, is just to go out there and start building it. So um, the best medium that we have now is games, simply, because in games you have you have interactions, you have some sort of scoring mechanism, you have a set of rules, right? And you can use uh, real-time 3D often, but it can also be 2D. It, it doesn't really have to be anything, but so say using Unity, you can easily create interactive real-time 3D environments and you can define the rules. And as a creator, and you can invite people, and people don't have to play in your metaverse. They don't have to participate in your experience. But if you make it in a way that they want to, uh, they will, and you, you'll build a community. So if you, if you build a positive aspect, uh, a positive action and interaction aspect, or if it's a bit vague, into in your game design, then people will actually come and want to play and want to stay. So that's, that's the community building aspect. And so to anyone who's interested in doing this, I'd say just go out there, start playing with tools like Unity, right? Um, start building things and, uh, and experiment, but, but make sure that you experiment. So I'd say this. Um, when you experiment, think of the world that ultimately you want to create. And my personal belief is that we need to create worlds that create net positive value for society, that help us solve the biggest problems we have. And the big question is how? I don't have a good answer to this. I have a few answers. Uh, but I suggest that everyone keeps this in, keeps this in mind. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a great point. And you, it is a broad term. Right. It's a broad term to to say positive, you know, interaction aspects. Right. But you're, what you're talking about is what kind of gaming mechanisms. Right. Because you're right. Game games is a is the it's interactions. Right. Uh, if you take a movie is is a is a game that's been take is you take all of the interactions away from it and you only have story. Right. So the the the, the best the best types of 
technologies that are out there right now to build is I, I truly believe unity with positive interactions. Yeah, the question is like, what are the big problems that are out there that need to be solved, right? And we can figure out how, but let's first figure out what the problems are, right? Like, what do, what do you see right now as the biggest problems out there uh, that currently exist? So I'm going to say the biggest problem from my point of view is mm -hmm. the fact that our physical world, the world that we live in, and uh, the world that we draw our resources from is changing. Um, and we call this climate change because it is mostly the climate that is changing. With lots of things are changing. We are losing biodiversity, etc. And the problem is that this is happening and that there's a... It's not so much a lack of awareness anymore, but a lack of collective ability for us to act, for, for us to ally and say, okay, we're going to act together. And it's, it's not inherently bad. It's just something, again, we are hardwired to not think on large socio-spatial uh, temporal scales, right? So to me, that is the biggest problem, the, the problem that we can't come together and build something and build a better future together. And I think that, again, technology can help by, by allowing us to relate to other people and things that are not here and now um, and that in this in this world of empathy I really like the word empathy um, we can create better things we can create better interactions and, and ultimately a better world yeah yeah I mean it's, it's, it's so right um I uh the word that I use is I use the word transformational I use the word transformational VR which is you know we're one thing now another thing and I and what you're talking about here because I I ran I I do online like hackathons and educational events and things like that and I ran I ran this challenge teaching people how to build um, transformational virtuality applications that help you become better um, in different types of ways and one thing that I came across that you're talking about right now which I think is super interesting is when there's a big problem that people don't know how to solve, we feel like we can't play the game because it's too big. Uh, for example, let's just, um, whatever it is, voting online or getting people to vote, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like, oh, I can't win the game. The game is rigged. Or you're talking about the world's oceans and, and it being an issue. Oh, it's too big. What can I do? I'm just a small drop, right? One thing I saw that was really cool is something that um, I termed impact mechanics, um, impact mechanics are things where people take these interactions inside of the experience that has a net positive uh, uh, benefit. Someone who came on the podcast was a, a gentleman um, who, uh, uh, Mikel, uh, and he had a social VR application. And the whole thing was if you you could go and you could swim with the dolphins and you could take a look at the worlds and you could see those things. Right. And you're looking around, but then you see the coral. He had a deal with all of these, um, uh, marine biologist people that if you actually paid money inside of the application, you could actually buy artificial coral reef and put it inside real world ocean areas. Right. And so you actually have this impact mechanic translating from inside the social environment, inside VR to actually having a, a positive impact in society where mm -hmm. people could all work together. And, and that's what I'm thinking about when we're, when we're talking about these. Is that what you mean by positive interaction aspects? Yes, yes. Um, I, I think that's a great example because uh, so what we need is 
we need tools to be able to relate to other people and things and, and, and other living beings and their, their own condition. So right now I'm sitting in my office here. There's no way for me to relate to a dolphin that's half a world away, right? Um, however, I can, I can put on a pair of VR goggles and, and all of a sudden be swimming with that dolphin. It will, be, it will be a virtual dolphin, so it only exists in that virtual world. But then again, if there's a direct link between what happens in that virtual world and what happens again half a world away in the real world, I've as a, as the creator of the experience, the person you were talking about, I've created a way for me to relate to a mm -hmm. problem that exists, and for my, the empathy that I develop to create to enable action or the will to act and say uh, donate money to put a bit of a piece of coral reef. Uh, in again, in a in a in a place that's that's really far away that I will never get a chance to visit in person or help in any other way, really. So, it's it's about creating using technology to create the tools for people to relate to each other and to other living beings. And again, it's a it's, it sounds like grand and lofty, but it's exactly it is it is illustrated in exactly the the example that you said, and uh, I theorize about this because that, that's how I think. But really, what I want to do and what I want to encourage is people who create very pragmatic experiences, and and I want to I want to allow them to have the tools in order to do this well. So that's why I, I, that's why I do what I do now. I love it. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's definitely a need. Um, do you have? Uh, virtual reality headset do you own i do have the uh, quest 2 okay cool um are there any um online uh multiplayer experiences or any ones that you like or things that you've enjoyed or things that you've seen that have stood out to you vr multiplayer i can't i can't think of any now okay. um no actually Okay, just curious because yeah, we're talking about the metaverse space and part of the thing is being in there and experiencing it um i've you know, I've, I've popped into a number going through the types of experiences and it's a really, um, I mean, it's a really unique thing where I've had some very, very intimate conversations with people where we like, it gets very emotional inside there. And there's an odd thing that like, mm. you feel kind of almost protected a little bit because I can look like anybody, but still have these deep and meaningful conversations. And so I was just curious if you had any positive or, I mean, in the gaming space, I mean, have you ever had any like, can you talk to me about any kinds of positive or negative social experiences that you've personally had um, through games online or anything that you can yeah. share? So I I guess I'm a bit older. I mean, older than some, I guess. And uh, I used to be a, a big gamer and I'd play uh, shooters, stuff like Unreal Tournament and, and Counter-Strike. And uh, we were, I was very competitive and at some point, it just became too much. The the um, uh, that was in the early two thousands, right? Um, and the, the the matches you were describing Doom earlier, right? These testosterone filled mm. games uh, just became too much for me, and I I felt like they were having a uh, actually a toxic uh, impact on me, and I decided to stop playing. I've always liked games. Uh, but I, I decided to stop playing online simply because I couldn't handle that. And ever since, I've been longing to actually return to playing online. Um, but there's this barrier because it feels like I was scarred 
almost 20 years ago now uh, by the experience that I had then. And uh, I'm one of these examples of people who feel like they would gain from from having positive experiences, but I think are scared of going back and doing it. Yeah, it can be traumatizing, uh, even inside the gaming space where you come in, especially if you're you're, you, you come in and a part of being a part of these like online esports e tournaments and things like this is you want to contribute. You want to add value. You want to do good. You want to play with people. You want to have a great time. But then these people, like if you're struggling to figure it out, then all of a sudden these people that are better than you because they've played more than you, they have way more experience. They get mad at you for not performing. They get, yeah. so you have, so you have shame and guilt stacked upon being insulted and belittled. And you're like, wow. You're not even given a chance. You come in, they just beat you up and then chuck you out the door. And they're like, you're ruining my fun. Get out of here. And you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, you're like, it's, it can be very traumatizing. Absolutely. And, and that's bad enough. And I don't know that I have the uh, nerve to go and do this and actually, and actually play online again. However, I know that I think I can, I can have a positive impact by helping build the tools that people, that developers will use. And we work with uh, the, some of the largest developers out there, and I can't quite say names, but mm -hmm. some of the, the biggest platforms competitive esports platforms out there right and so i know that with my work and my my team's work i i hope i can have an impact so that people there won't be as many people like me in the future and people who are traumatized by their negative experiences online yeah a hundred percent and let me, let me ask a question in terms of handling toxicity in your in your life in your world and the things that you've done i know one one situation is avoidance right oh there's some crazy toxic people over there i'm just gonna i'm not gonna go online again i'm done right um have you do you have any other personal strategies for handling toxicity uh either with other people in real life or within the gaming culture anything around you just how do you how do you armor up against the toxicities of life um that's a very good question. I do have strategies and I don't see it at, at armoring up against. I feel like we can become more resilient to the things that we experience. And to me, I'm, I'm a big fan of mindfulness and self-loving kindness. And so when I'm going through a tough time, um, and in fact, every day I try to have a, at least a quick check-in with myself to understand what I experience. Um, if some of the feelings that I experience are negative, um, where they come from, and um, comfort myself, say, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be experiencing this. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be hurt. And actually sort of deconstructing why I feel the way I feel. Um, and so this is, this is often, often has to do with feelings that, um, that are t tied to other people. And what it has to do with me, because I feel like I'm not good enough, or I really suck today, or, you know, I should be taller, or I should be faster or better, or whatever. I try to practice something which is super useful, which is the simplest thing in the world and the most, most powerful, which is self-loving kindness, which we're basically sending yourself messages of love um, and I guess that can, this is the way that you, you, you become like water instead of armoring up, you actually, uh, you, you just become resilient to anything that happens or may happen and you feel mm -hmm. better with the world around you and inside you. 
Oh, it's beautiful. So you stand. So one of the things is you 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 look at the situations that are causing the the friction, right, with people. Yes. And okay, what's going on? Why am I feeling this way? What what's 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 really happening? And then practicing that acceptance, that love and kindness, that situation where, because that is one of the things. If you try to resist those emotions, right? Those if you try to resist um, being sad about a situation, or you know, uh, not getting the game winning touchdown, or whatever thing, whatever the thing might be for you. Right, acknowledging that for a while, and then sending messages of love and kindness. Uh, do you? So, what does that look like? Is it, is it you get up in the morning, and you, you have a ritual of this, or is it just whenever it pops up? Or what's the what's the trigger for you to go through this pattern of behavior? Um, well, usually for me, the the easiest is to do this in the morning, just uh -huh. first thing in the morning. You know, before I turn on my phone and before the world catches up to me in a way. Um, and so I just. You know, like people do, I just sit with myself, often cross-legged, and I focus on my breathing, and I do this with a little meditation, uh, and I just revisit sort of how I feel often. Mm -hmm. And often, I don't really have to do this. It just, you know, it, it comes to me, or the way it comes to you, when when something bothers you, um, and you're, or you're trained to just know yourself from the inside, when something bothers you, then it is going to come up. And I say this, and it sounds easy, and it sounds like I do it well, but, but I don't, in fact, because just this conversation made me realize that the whole trauma about playing games and not wanting, because I, I said it, right? I said, yeah. I don't want to go back to these plays that actually hurts. Um, so that makes me realize that there's probably something, there's a, there's a hurt locker somewhere in there that I haven't opened for a really long time. And it would help if I tried to do this. It would help if I could check in with myself and say, actually, it's fine. Yes, you got shouted at. You, you got called a whatever, but it's okay. And then maybe one day I can just uh, get rid of that and uh, heal this wound and go back to playing, ga to playing games. That's awesome. Do you feel like maybe um, the genesis of Otto... Was that did that was that in some way sparked by the fact of the the toxic interactions that you had by playing like Unreal and all that stuff? Do you feel like it's an interesting thing that you you did that happened? You never jumped into games again. You got into AI and then you saw this thing and then you seem to be. You, you, it's an interesting thing that you have so much passion for this thing, but you don't play VR multiplayer games and you don't play any games right now. What's the what are your thoughts about that? I do play single player games, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, just in my sort of in my own world. But you're right. So I'd say um, first, I I need to say Otto is not only my idea, right? It's something that uh, I created with my co-founder Till, who's not on the show today, but uh, uh, from like through whom I discovered many of the ideas that became Otto, etc. And so it's really it's really a, a joint thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But I know something that's always fascinated me is interactions. Um, and I'm a I'm a math guy, right? I've I'm a scientist, right? So yeah. I like to put theorems and and high level abstract concepts around things and interactions and and so I like to things to to think of things in terms of graphs social networks etc um, but mostly what I guess seduced me with the idea of auto is that I there was a link between this very abstract very rational world of numbers and, and math and AI and the very subjective world of emotions and and inner realities and uh, we when I say we it's uh, it's still 
myself and the entire team, of course. And we built Auto as a way to, to allow AI to become empathetic and to allow AI to create empathy between people by better understanding uh, each other's emotions. That's really the, the mission that we, we, we've had since the beginning and the mission that I'm trying to carry through after the, the acquisition by, by Unity. And so in some way, I, I can't say whether this is linked to my experience playing Unreal Tournament or Counter-Strike mm -hmm. when I was a, a, a boy, a mm -hmm. uh, teenager, but I know that it has this goal of making interactions better so that we can be better to each other and not go through some of the things that I did go through in a way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, I got it. And some, yeah, there's sometimes unconscious things of that stuff. And I played Counter-Strike. I was in a league and things like that. And I got, there is, it got, it got really intense. Uh, people call you cheater. Oh, yeah. Stuff, and then it's like, oh no, I'm not. Uh, uh, so, uh, and I, I played that uh, just as a sorry, I played at uh, LAN parties, right? Because we, we used to play like physically together, and sometimes uh, things would get very heated and uh, toxic to the point where we would punch each other, you know, and like physically because you could just turn around and punch the other guy, which is <laughs> not a good thing to do. Uh, but for me, <laughs> these, these interactions in-game actually became uh, like real-life interactions and sometimes painful. So everything got mixed up, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, don't do this. And it's, it's better that we don't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. There is real repercussions, though, especially being in the same room and the same people. I used to do oh, the same yeah. thing. Everyone brought it over. We'd, we'd do uh, that and uh, World of Warcraft. And there's, there's a bunch of other games that we played inside LAN parties, which was crazy. Um, what's your... Uh, you talked about... Uh, the, the mission, can you talk to me about what's the holy grail of it? Like, how would you, how would you know that you've achieved your goal, right? What, what does that, what does that flag in the sand look like for you? Wow. So my own personal mission, what makes me um, get up in the morning mm -hmm. and think and get excited about another day is to create a safe and sustainable future for us, uh, humanity but also all living things and create a state of empathy. And I think that can be mediated. There's a chance that this will be mediated by technology. Uh, right now, I see that this is something I can contribute to. And so um, making the world safer and more sustainable for all is really the sort of the, the grander goal. That's beautiful. And... And so making the world safer and more sustainable for all, uh, what is the dragon? What is the big thing that prevents you from making that happen? What do you think is something uh, that is, is going to challenge you to do it to where you don't know if you're able to actually overcome? Hmm. Well, uh, the dragon is us, all of us. And the reason why we are... And again, it's just my opinion, just my observation, but I feel like as a, as a civilization, we are sort of racing towards a cliff or a wall or whatever. Um, collectively, is that we're not able to get out. We're not able to step out and say, hey guys, what are we doing? This is, this is actually really bad. This, this is not the way that we want to uh, evolve, move forwards as a society. Um, and that's because we are trapped in our own brains, mm -hmm. in our own realities. And, and it's okay. It's, it's not a bad thing. We're just unable to feel things, to relate to 
things and people that are, again, in the future that are far from us in, and so in time and space and f- far from us across social networks. And so um, the dragon is evolution, the way we've come to be. Uh, and I think, again, I don't know, right? But this is the only thing that keeps me going. I think there's a chance that using technology, we can transcend that limitation and reach the holy grail of becoming better to each other and reaching a safer and more sustainable future. Yeah. Well, maybe. I love it. I love it. Well, that's the intention thing because the future's not written, right? We everybody thinks it's just predetermined, but we're building it. Like you're sitting there building the future, you know, one one line of code at a time, one building block at a time. And what I think is interesting is that um, who was it? Um, somebody said that society is a race between utopia and disaster, right? And we're and we're and we're moving in those directions. And it's about it's about trying to get it in the right direction. Um, and I don't know. So, you know, about the cyberpunkian dystopian ready yeah. player one kind of future, right? Have you ever heard of the, Have you ever heard of the term solar punk? No, I haven't. So cyberpunk is the dystopian future for anime. Solar punk is the utopian future oh, where, cool. where, where technology and nature coexist together. Um, and it's a, it's a term I recently heard. Um, and, I just I have a feeling that you definitely resonate with a lot of that that content that's out there because if you look up solar punk and you look at all that stuff, it's beautiful. Mm. It's, it's where I think we're all you know the the making interactions and gaming are super fun and things like that. But then it takes so much effort to be able to to curate an environment that allows people to actually be their best selves. It's a challenging thing, and so how do we you know how do we do that? How do we how do we get past our lower selves and find our higher selves in the mission? That's why I yeah. think. It, I think it's amazing what you're doing. Do you- amazing. Yeah. If I if I may add, I, yeah. I like what you said about sort of the the constant struggle between collective struggle that we have between utopia and, and disaster, and I yeah. and I see this, um, and it's easy to be pessimistic and say we're not going to make it and things are bad, etc. And uh, I I tend to despair myself sometimes, and and of course it's not easy, but. Yeah. There's an observation, a very easy observation to be made, which is so far, we've always made it. Sometimes uh, it was a close call. It's been a close call quite a few times. Um, But the the very reason that we're here is that we've made it through all of the sort of the rough patches that we've been through collectively. And it will take a lot of work. Um, It will take a lot of um, like genuine, genuine creativity, yeah. um, and it will take a lot of us getting together. But I, I do believe I'm an optimist. Uh, I do believe that we can reach uh, maybe a, this this solar punk future, and that we can enable this this better future. A hundred percent, brother. I totally agree with you. Um, this has been incredible, uh, Nico. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there anything you. else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you? Maybe, maybe when your technology is going to be coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so very pragmatic now. Back to back to what we do and what we build yeah. as a team. Um, GDC is coming up, and for yep. those of you who follow the the gaming world, this is one of the biggest, maybe the largest uh, uh, game developers conference out there. And 
um, Unity and I actually, with a few of the people I work with, we're going to announce a few things around the, the solutions that we build to detect and, and fight toxicity online. And so we'll also announce a bit of a timeline there and more details. So stay tuned for this. This is happening at the end of March. Um, and the, the spoiler is, is coming soon and we hope to be making it available to all of you as soon as possible. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you or find out more about what you do, is there any way to do that? Of course. Um, well, I'm on Twitter and um, also old school email. All you have to do is just uh, type in Nico, N-I-C-O, at unity.com and you'll reach me. Beautiful. Uh, Nico, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for sharing your journey, your lessons, your stories along the way. This has been beautiful. Um, appreciate all that you do and uh, pushing humanity in the positive direction. So thank you for your time and I'll, I'll see you on the other side. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.